0: One season, two bathtubs, Ohio, bathtub season, two best friends, no clothing, confusing, bathtub season. The eternal blink, the capricious dance of, now you stop moving forever. Well, contrary to popular belief, death isn't just for dead people. It can happen to anyone. I know, Was news to me too. And it's not just people either, it's all kinds of stuff. Horses, fiddler crabs. Did you know that even a potato can die?
1: Hey Austin, I see uh we're doing this again.
0: Yep, you know, I I needed another bath.
1: <laughs> I hope you took one since then, but I guess you're in Cleveland and I'm in Dayton, so if you didn't, it's it's fine. <laughs>
0: Do you smell it? That smell. the kind of smelly smell. A smelly smell that smells smelly. So an episode all about death? Yeah. Yep, that's
1: that's what we're doing in a comedy show, uh, both the show we're talking about
0: and the podcast. We just listened to the first few lines that open the entire episode that, again, the tick is starting off the episode with his own words. I love that. Starting out strong again. I love this intro. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. This funeral is attended by costumed heroes, decorated military social elite foreign dignitaries so first thing this just adds more questions to our conversation about jimmy carter's disbelief of superheroes
1: (laughs) yeah i was thinking about that it doesn't it still doesn't make any sense maybe maybe jimmy's dealing with some mental problems (laughs) you know i like that
0: explanation better i'll be honest i get the feeling that they are abandoning some of the rules and setup that they made in the pilot, which isn't uncommon. I would love to see more of it, but, you know, we'll we'll touch on that as we go throughout the episode.
1: Yeah, I had some canon questions as well through it. I think they're being fast and loose with, with what's canon, and and that's okay, but I think when you're doing that, it also opens up possibilities for more humor that they're not taking advantage
0: of. Yeah, I feel they dialed back some of the humor in this episode especially i, I made a couple notes about that I, I don't think it's gone by any means but there's there's just less of it constantly hitting you in the face ah, out of my face i understand that
1: i don't know i that first that, that his speech i was laughing at it's just it's there's again so many great lines i had written down death the eternal blink <laughs> yep <laughs> which doesn't make any sense but it's wonderful <laughs> And then when the speech continues on throughout the episode, all but one of my favorite lines from this episode are from his funeral speech.
0: Mine too, for the most part, not all of them, but I definitely kept coming back to these funeral scenes that they cut in as being some of the best tick moments. And just to make my point here, The Tick is not supposed to be speaking at this funeral. No,
1: and you don't find that out until the end of this opening scene. He's not on the list of people that is supposed to be speaking that day, and people are starting to get a little agitated. And I was curious how he got up there, but, you know, I think the answer is probably he just walked up there and started speaking and with the confidence that people just thought was supposed to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, who's, who's going to question a superhero speaking at a superhero funeral? That makes sense to me. But yeah, one of the military officers makes the comment that he's not on the list of people that are supposed <laughs> to be speaking, and he's up there essentially giving the fucking U.N.G. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. No, that's just on form, or the, the tick, and I thought that was, that was fantastic.
0: What was that beeping noise? I did not hear a beeping noise. Oh. Beep beep. Richie, my phone just started telling me
1: I needed to turn my video on. Weird. <laughs>
0: Fucking. <laughs> weird.
1: Um That would be a whole new dynamic. You want to play? I'll play. Hey sir. Hey big many men.
0: <laughs> Why don't you show me your penis? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really, the only other thing I have about the opening funeral scene is simply that we are introduced to the fact that Tick, up until this point, has not had a firm grasp of
1: death. Yeah, we get the uh, the vibe that he is he's learning a lot about the fundamentals of death.
0: He literally believed that superheroes couldn't die, which, let's be completely honest, based on the first episode where we are unsure if being a superhero is even a job that you want... That is a hell of a yes, benefit. Yes, it
1: is. Yeah. And uh, it's not just superheroes. It's potatoes, too. And horses that he didn't know could die.
0: Yeah. I love that little bit of foreshadowing here that I actually didn't catch until I was doing some editing for the podcast. From there, we go to one week earlier. Yes, one
1: week earlier, splash screen. And then we are back to the diner that we ended the last episode in with all four heroes. We've got The Tick, Arthur, Batman Well, and Captain Liberty. I'm never going to get that name right. And there's not a whole bunch I have to say about the scene except just a a lot of dated homophobic jokes.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of that. Funny enough, one of the first notes I made when the scene came on was simply I I looked up the Webster definition of a tryst. Oh shoot, I meant to do that. It is a private romantic rendezvous between lovers. I like it. So we no longer have to ask, what is the meaning of tryst?
1: So it's, it just has to be private and romantic, it makes something a tryst.
0: I feel like this scene was just filling in some of the blanks with where we started at the funeral. You know, this is a flashback, the funeral is the present time. The tick is reading a book entitled Immortally Yours which we will learn is the autobiography of the superhero he's eulogizing. Is it an autobiography or a biography? I believe it's an autobiography because the, the immortal, the immortal is the mm-hmm. superhero. He is in town for a book That's signing.
1: true, but I feel like he's got enough hubris that he would sign someone else's biography about him.
0: I, I'm not saying dude doesn't have a ghostwriter.
1: <laughs> we also find out that the immortal is the reason that Arthur wanted to become a hero. It was his whole... Reason for coming into this line of work. We also find out what Batmanuel's mission is. His mission in life is to be the arbiter of cool.
0: <laughs> oh, well, who made you the arbiter of cool? It's Batmanuel's divine mission. You can do nothing about it. Batmanuel! Am I cool? I also made a note about that. And at this point, just so everyone knows, the immortal is the Superman of this world. And at this point, we know about him that he has an autobiography, he's male, he's supposedly immortal, he's merchandised, because Arthur mentions he has a sleeping bag with his photo all over it, he once stopped a volcano with polar ice caps, indestructible, flies, heat vision, possibly gay. Yep. And
1: somewhere in the middle of finding all that is... The intro scene, what's the word I'm looking for? Sequence? The theme song? The theme, the opening credits. Opening credits, that's the word. Like, it's weird. We cut from the diner to the opening credits, back to the same conversation.
0: <laughs> I also thought that was really weird. When I was writing the timeline of it, I actually put that they they, ch- they changed the theme music or they, they, they changed the opening theme sequence from the pilot, again, super common. It's not
1: that they changed it; there just wasn't one in the first episode, I believe. So that's just—I uh, think, the you're, first time I, you're, I think seen. you're right. Yeah, there was right. just none in the first. So this is the first time we're seeing it. And man, do they need to add a flash seizure warning to that intro? <laughs> that is a—it's a sight to the eyes. That is just flashing strobing lights. I didn't put that together, but no, that's totally. I fair. had that written down the first time I watched through it. And I was half awake when that happened and it started. And I was like, oh, it's not that bad. And then the last 20 seconds of that intro sequence is just
0: absurd. It's awful. I thought it was weird that they went back to the diner after the opening scene. It it screwed up my timeline just just from taking notes because it was like, okay, so here's the diner and, you know, I've got the notes about Batman Will being the arbiter of cool. I've got the, the military time snafu.
1: Yep. It's eight o'clock and the signings at thirteen hundred, and so he's or seventeen hundred. He's like, oh, we have like one thousand six hundred hours left
0: until. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just he thinks that's how many hours are between. Not he doesn't understand military time, which is just. I funny. did
1: write down that the biography of the immortal, whether Otto or not, mentioned that he had saved the Earth thousands of times, but the Moon three times, and that, in my opinion, is more impressive than saving the Earth, because what does the Moon need saved
0: from? And I'm glad he did it. So for you watching the the end of that scene, before they came back to that scene very briefly, um, when Batman was talking about being the Arbiter of Cool, did that register to you as being Seinfeld-esque as well? Oh,
1: yes. This whole scene, I I, I even felt almost like they were trying too hard to be like Seinfeld-esque. Like
0: in that one especially, I really felt like I could see... Kramer being Batman well, and Jerry questioning his cool credentials, and then bury George in a newspaper, throw Putty in, of all things, and give him the exact same line, and it works. Yes, 100%. Here's the only reason I think they put the credits where they did. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it was just to break up the theme of the diner scene, because they kind of shifted it. You know, they went from talking about the Immortal and Captain Liberty's mission, and then she leaves, the credits come on, and then when we come back, we're introduced to a potential love interest for
1: Arthur. Right, right. There's a girl a few seats down from them that he is checking out.
0: Yep, and she is checking him out, and actually approaches the table and asks for the time, and he he freezes, and the tick spouts off that they have. 1,600-something hours left, so pick one, little lady. Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he's not being mean. He's just like, have an hour.
0: (laughs) We have 1,696 and a half hours, little lady. Pick one. I also love there was just like this one kind of throwaway in this when the Tick is reading the book where he says something about Bachman Turner Overdrive, but he says it Bachman Turner Overdrive, and it's apparently a superhero in this universe, not a rock group.
1: Bachman Turner Overdrive, look at this. He once fought a guy
0: who was made entirely of black holes. Headache.
1: I knew that was a reference to something, and it just went over my head. I have no idea what they were referencing there. There was one thing I wanted to mention. I, ha- I just saw in my notes. The, at one point, we find out that Arthur had waited in line forever to get the immortal signature. Mm-hmm. Batman Well, talking about being the Arbiter of Cool, is like, you're a grown man, right? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, grown men don't wait in line for the immortal signature. And giving him all this shit. And I just want to mention that because we'll come back later that that's... Totally proven incorrect by multiple scenes, and I just thought that was bizarre.
0: Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't look at it from that perspective, but you're, you're absolutely right. That is refuted as being a norm in, in the, <laughs> the city. But yeah, uh, Batman Wells' reaction to this is that was five years ago. You were a grown man five years.
1: Five ago. years ago, you were a man, a grown man, an adult man, waiting in the snow like a ten-year-old for. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. And we find out that at some point in computer camp, when Arthur was super into the immortal, he lost his sleeping bag and they threw it into a lake with rocks. And I didn't understand that. Do, do sleeping bags float? Yeah. They do? Okay. I wrote that in my notes that I thought it was weird they filled it with rocks. But I guess if they float, it makes sense now. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think most of them float. I think if they've got the, like, winter fabric ones, they uh, probably like, waterlog and don't. But
1: That makes sense. So Captain Liberty is going to be the driver for the immortal, taking him to the signing later.
0: Yeah, and they actually, and it's very, it's a dated joke, but they call her an escort, which Batman well makes a reference to a call girl. And I just, I had that kind of side note to myself. Does anyone still call them call girls? I feel like I haven't heard that. In,
1: ever. <laughs> nope. I don't think so. Maybe our parents.
0: Right. Like, I've definitely heard it in my lifetime. It's definitely been a thing that's common enough, but I feel like I haven't heard it in 15 years or more. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me that the tick is using weird language. He's, he's learning it as,
0: as he goes. Right. So then we're in the back of this limo with, with Captain Liberty and the Immortal. She has picked him up from the airport. They are on their way to the book signing. He is on the phone with what I believe you're supposed to understand as the Pope. I didn't catch that at all. (laughs) He says, your holiness, so what's the god angle here? I totally missed that, but that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Do you recognize the immortal from anything else? He... Sticks out as an immediate character. He looked familiar,
1: but I didn't I didn't place him for anything.
0: So it's Sam McMurray, and again, it's another person who's been in a lot of things, but for me, I'll never see him as anyone other than Supervisor O'Boyle from King of Queens. He's Kevin James's boss.
1: You are now a member of an elite force, son. With great honor comes great responsibility. Make us proud. All right, next item. One of your pinheads broke my stapler. Till further notice, my stapler is off limits. That's it. Gotcha. I have maybe seen five minutes of that show, so I, I didn't catch that. But he does look familiar. He definitely seems like one of like those that guys that's just in a lot of sitcoms is right. smaller characters.
0: Just so, so just so all you listening have an idea, uh, this dude is purple and. Not silk. him, but his outfit. His outfit, his outfit. His outfit is purple <laughs> and silver. Um that is, that is a good that is a good point to make. I immediately thought of Orgasmo. I know Orgasmo's pink and silver, but just like that combination, yeah. my brain went it's there. Not a great outfit for sure. He's got a kind of purple magneto type helmet with these like wings on the side. And for me, the like there's a purple cape, there's a purple eye on his torso, but the big thing is just this suit is molded muscles to the max to the like these abs are the most ridiculous yep. unrealistic looking things like this dude is halfway to being a big silver ear of corn the way these abs look it's cool and a huge cod piece
1: there was a few scenes where they show the outfit standing and it's it's just there it's just the biggest you know, cod I, piece on any superhero outfit i think i've ever seen
0: I don't. uh, I don't think I paid that close of attention. That's all
1: I could look at. It was. It was glaring. (laughs) Not that I wanted to. It's just. It's one of those things you just can't take your eyes off of because it's just. It was just there.
0: Well, it it turns out Captain Liberty probably couldn't keep her eyes off it either.
1: Yep. Well, uh, I had some questions about that. So uh, the immortal puts his his hand on Captain Liberty's leg and starts making a move, and she immediately is. My apartment's two blocks from here. But the way she says it is almost like a threat, like, like, don't touch me. I live around the corner. I could just, like, run is how I took it. Like, the first time I watched it, I didn't take it as her accepting in any way at all.
0: <laughs> See, I, I saw it immediately as accepting, but I think I was uh, focused more on the setup for this because – the immortal kind of hooks you with this first line, where he mentions that he's been following Captain Liberty's career closely, and it's there's a there's a creepy heavy overtone to the way he says it.
1: I've been watching your career very closely,
0: Captain Liberty. Is this genuine or is this the move? And he immediately follows up that the UN has tasked him to essentially put together a super friends, and he wants her, and you're like. Oh, okay, genuine superhero stuff. Because she kind of got nervous when he was like, I've been watching your career closely, but it seemed like a professional nervousness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, have you seen all the blunders I've made? Kind of thing. <laughs> have you been watching me in Batman well? <laughs> <laughs> right. After saying that he wants her for this group he's putting together, he grabs her and pulls her in and tells her she's got the best legs in the galaxy. You
1: may just have the greatest pair of legs in the whole galaxy. And
0: that's what she's like, my apartment's two blocks from
1: here. Yeah. And I don't know, her line read, if you go back, is, like, kind of scared. <laughs> they could have done a better if that's what they wanted her to, to portray. And it doesn't, like, I kind of get the vibe that she didn't want it, like, especially what happens next, that it wasn't an accident what happens. But maybe I'm just looking too much.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. Hard to We say. go
1: from there to the other three leaving the diner and yes. walking down the street.
0: I'm just going to apologize to our listeners in advance because the, the timeline for this episode jumps so yes. much. Yes. Instead of the instead of longer scenes in this one, it's a lot of really short scenes that jump between each other.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them don't have much going on. Yeah, they're walking, leaving the bar, just kind of shooting the shit, and Batman Will gets a call about something that's happened, and then we're in... Captain Liberty's apartment.
0: Yep. Batman Well, they they get to Batman Well's car, he has a parking ticket, and then he gets the phone call from Captain Liberty, and we find out in that scene that she killed him. Um he, he responds to what she says. You killed the immortal? And really, through all this, like I, I understand this is very upsetting. I understand it's very, you know, it sucks that you killed this superhero, but I feel like it just it has it almost deserves an award or at least some acknowledgement. Like Captain Liberty killed the immortal. That is a fucking. Science. And then
1: I'm gonna go down in history as the woman who killed the immortal.
0: Yeah, killed
1: the immortal, which is th- I thought was fantastic. I, ne- I didn't even see that joke set up coming. I was like, oh, the immortal. That's just like a corny, great name for like the big Superman hero or whatever. But great landing. That that's what happened.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That was that was beautiful, beautiful writing on whoever decided to kill the Immortal. Like, that's just Yeah, so we end up in Captain Liberty's apartment,
1: and the Immortal's dead. He is on the bed. She is slumped over a chair crying, being consoled by Batman. Well, the Tick and Arthur standing over the body, just perplexed, and we, now that I'm saying it out loud, we understand why, because the Tick doesn't understand death (laughs) is a concept.
0: Right, right. It's also worth noting that the, the Immortal's still nude. He's just... Covered by an American flag. Yeah,
1: which is it's a way to go for sure. Um his I guess his, his one weakness was fucking. <laughs> I had that written down as my in my notes my half awake time watching this the first time.
0: <laughs> I even
1: underlined it. <laughs> it's just my I thought it was very funny at that time. <laughs> Shit. I think I fucked him to death. Uh, a great line is said, basically in the same vein of joke. Dying in the saddle is a story as old as the hills. There's a lot to unpack in that sentence. Um, is it a story that, that is as old as the hills? Are the hills old? I mean, you get over the hill, right? Yeah. To, to get in the saddle?
0: Uh, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that man, well, is weirdly unfazed through this whole thing. He's just, like, cracking jokes the whole time. Like, not... Not a care in the world. This is this is normal, fine. Nothing is weird about this. You got everyone needs to get in a better mood.
0: So I totally agree. I don't know that. I don't even know. I mean, yes, he is more. He's more rationalizing. He seems more calm than everyone. But I, I was really, you know, it's 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 a show. They're characters. It's written. But like, I was impressed by the the jealousy that he was showing in the diner towards Captain Liberty being in close quarters with the immortal, literally fearing exactly this, it would seem minus the whole him dying thing. And he's unbelievably calm and comforting and compassionate in this moment.
1: I wouldn't call him compassionate. He literally suggests at one point that he wants to chuck the body in the river and just move
0: on with life. Like, well, that's okay, not a
1: he's, great plan. What? <laughs> what? It's,
0: it's not, it's not a great plan, but, He's he's coming up with bad solutions, but he's trying to come up with solutions to you know end the situation that Captain Liberty's in. It it it, it does feel like genuine care and consideration for her, even though she just fucked the immortal, <laughs> despite the bad suggestions.
1: <laughs> yeah, and at one point she says that if we don't figure this out, we're going to be a crap creep. Crap creek. That's hard to say. But, again, something I said in the last episode, like, where did the cussing go? They He called a coffee machine his bitch, and now you can't even say up shit creek. That's true. <laughs> it's even harder. It's it's like 30 times harder to say, too. Shit creek versus crap creek. I can't even say it on a podcast. And I'm not a professional
0: actor. <laughs> it's not like they don't have adult humor throughout this whole thing. Right. There's literally, there's literally a joke about blowing him in this scene. Yes.
1: It doesn't make any sense. And there's a joke at one point, there's like burn marks on the ceiling and she's like, remember, he has heat vision. And I would have loved if it would have gone through, like apparently he's got really weak heat vision, like warm vision, because it just kind of scorched the ceiling. It didn't even like make a dent in the drywall. So if that's the kind of power he can have in orgasmic ecstasy, then I think it was pretty weak heat vision.
0: Yeah, I... (laughs) (laughs) Um I I didn't think about it that way, but I did I did think just like this seems unsafe. Yes. There are scorch marks on the ceiling and Captain Liberty's hair is fried. It's like this isn't this isn't safe sex. She
1: could have died. The people above them could have died. She did the civil public uh, justice. She followed her name because if he would have kept sleeping around, somebody would have died.
0: We definitely are uh... Given the impression that he, he, he sleeps yeah, around. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I had... That, that comes up later. Never mind. There's a line about him sleeping around that makes Captain Liberty really mad in the most confusing way. So I'll talk about that yep. later.
0: I know exactly what you've been talking about.
1: <laughs> I guess we can talk about it now. So later on, like, Batman Will's talking to Captain Liberty, making a joke about how he sleeps around, and she gets really pissed off that he's insinuating that she, like, he would sleep around. That's literally what she, he was doing with you. Like, if... What... In what sense of what they did did she get the vibe that that was not what was happening? Right. She wants to meet a man who is nice, funny, and exactly who they say they are. I'm pretty sure that's what the immortal was.
0: Right. I think the only other thing she's said is she wanted him to have superpowers. So, like, you just killed him.
1: <laughs> yeah. This episode is something else. It is something. <laughs> Moving on, the suggest- somebody suggests. Is it Captain Liberty that their solution... Could be Batman Well dresses up as the immortal to go to the book signing, and then they pretend like he died later.
0: This is actually how they end the scene in Captain Liberty's apartment and move on to the next short transitional scene. Captain Liberty looks at Batman Well and says, what size are you? And he responds, I'm Batman Well, sized."
1: (laughs) Yeah, Batman Well's got a little bit of a better... I I liked him more in this episode than the first one, I think, as a whole. He does actually have some funny jokes this time.
0: Yeah, I found Batman well and Captain Liberty to be less obnoxious and less of just caricatures of the stereotypes they were portraying. Yes, they're just slightly better. That is one place in this episode, you know, where they did tone something down in the quote-unquote comedy that worked for them versus some of the other things that I feel like they toned down a bit in this episode that I'd like to see more of. I get it's heavy-handed for some people, but I liked the style of it that was in the pilot. Yep. So they leave the apartment, and we get Arthur and the Tick placing the immortal, who is now just wrapped up in an American flag, still, but, like, actually wrapped up in it, into Batman Well's car, which is a convertible with the top down, and they're putting him right in the back seat upright. Because, yeah, of course. I
1: didn't even make the connection. I mean, it was a convertible. I thought about that, but they could have put the top up.
0: I, never, I never thought about that. That's hilarious. And we'll, we'll come back to that later because it, eventually Captain Liberty does make a comment about the body being in the back
1: seat. If we go straight from there to the book signing. We have Batman Well in the immortal costume in the limo pulling up to the book signing. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Every person there, I paused it. There's not a single child in the audience. <laughs> like yeah, Not one,
0: they're, they're, they're all adults. grown adults, <laughs> not a single kid. At least they probably weren't there for 15 hours.
1: Yeah, and it, I was like, okay, okay, maybe maybe it's the paparazzi. There's a lot of people taking pictures. But as we see in a second, they go inside, all the people waiting in line are, are adults. So it still doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's any children in this episode. Or the first episode, maybe kids don't exist in this city.
0: There's a kid in the first episode because there's the the throwaway line about the magic hubcap. Mm. But I think that's the only one. Basically,
1: he gets out of the car. He's kind of apprehensive about it. But then when everyone starts loving that uh, the Immortals there, Batman goes into it and just goes along with it and goes into the signing.
0: Yeah, when they get out of the car, everyone is kind of just standing there and looking. They seem a bit skeptical, but Captain Liberty starts a clap and everyone follows in as they're prompted, which leads to Batman well speaking his first lines as the immortal and he's just yelling through this terrible fake accent You're not good people of the city for the immortal is here
1: <laughs> and I think it's basically just supposed to be that like his terrible fake accent shouldn't fool everybody but everyone's into it everyone believes it
0: right it, it, it's fine it's
1: suspend disbelief and fine. I mean we've we're under the impression that The Immortal does book signings pretty regularly, if this is not the first time that Arthur has encountered just a book signing, let alone a public appearance by The Immortal.
0: Was it a book signing previously? Or was it he was just a, signing. Oh, he okay, just a signing. He wanted
1: a signing. Okay. Okay. and Yeah, he never said what it was. It could have been a foot signing. We
0: did it! We moved the
1: foot! <laughs> we don't know. He goes along with it, and then we cut to an alleyway with the Tick and Arthur and the body. And they're trying to figure out how to get that body into the hotel.
0: And again, like, I just... My my notes watching these scenes just keep hinging on the same thing. I'm like... They are in a bronze convertible. They are in attention-grabbing costumes. There is an upright figure in the backseat that really can't be anything but a body and a flag. There is nothing inconspicuous about any of this.
1: Yeah, and and, and at one point, uh, I think it's Arthur says, we have to do this without being seen. If you look, there's literally a person in the background, which is hilarious because... One thing I've noted through this whole thing, I don't think I've said it, there aren't that many background characters, almost at all. It's almost like an empty city. So the fact that they put somebody in the background for this scene is hilarious. It was intentional or the funniest accident ever.
0: Absolutely. No, that's I, I, didn't, I didn't even catch that, but you're, you're 100% <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and then this is when the Tick learns about death. He He's yes. very confused because he's like, how can
0: the immortal be dead? When he's alive in the book I read, yes,
1: <laughs> and Arthur's like, "What?"
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I don't understand why he didn't mention that he's dead in his." That's book.
1: That's it. That's
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was an autobiography, right? So
1: that makes sense. Yeah, he's like, "How could he be dead if he didn't mention in the book that he was dead?" And Arthur's like, "Well, everybody dies." It takes <laughs> like even me, even you, even horses, and yep. Yeah. T- He's just taken aback, and I guess like you would be, man. If you just—that's a big, heavy thing to take on.
0: Yeah, it's it's so heavy that he uh, he can no longer hold the immortal and drops the weight on Arthur. Yes, yes, and it, 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 he keeps bringing up
1: too that he's really concerned about if potatoes can die, and I don't I don't actually know. They're not the plant
0: so they they can um we we learned this the potatoes actually so this scene ends with the tick learning that arthur can die and then also asking if cats can die and then we we briefly cut back to the book signing we we briefly come to the book signing nothing happens we literally nothing (laughs) yeah i i have no notes about that other than there's mm -hmm. a book signing but it it like I said, it jumps back and forth a few times, and actually the uh, the potato part comes up when they are walking into the book site.
1: Yes, but before we get there, his the the original plan. Well, so they know that he's in room four oh six. The tick looks up at the side of this hotel, and he sees one with a balcony. <laughs> and he's like, that'd be the room, right? He'd have a balcony. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I love the reasoning. Like, oh, it's the only room with a balcony. The immortal must have a balcony,
0: that's his room. (laughs) Yeah, he has absolutely no way of knowing that this balcony is- Even part of the hotel. Right. (laughs) Which one other thing that I realized uh, during this scene, it didn't register me before, this also breaks part of the rules from the pilot because we are at the Worcester Hotel we're not at the hotel of the city, yeah, so we have we have confirmed that there are at least three hotels or that we have completely abandoned the hotel of the city, and there are two Worcesters. no, I think I think you're right there's three there's three hotels. I thought
1: about that when they said there was a name for the hotel, I really wanted it to be like the other hotel mm-hmm. of the city. I thought they missed an opportunity that would maybe it have been too much, but i i I had that I wanted that so badly. <laughs> But he throws the dead body up apparently four flights or stories. I could throw him that far. And misses the balcony and it crashes back down to the car and scene. We yep. are then back at the book signing, and he's going through people in the line and then he gets to somebody, asks him what he wants signed out to, and the guy's like, No, I don't want a signing. I'm a lawyer. This is a subpoena for a hearing for paternity.
0: Yeah, he's he's a process server and he's serving him a subpoena for a paternity mm-hmm. trial. Batman well thinks it's for him.
1: Yeah, he's very taken aback. He's like, that got settled out of court. And he's like, oh, wait, this isn't my paternity test. This is my paternity test. And that's where Captain Liberty feels disillusioned. I was subpoenaed once. Nobody came to me like this. I found out over the phone, like from my family. They're like, hey, this is probably happening. And I found out later I was actually subpoenaed. Back a while ago, this was years ago, for somebody that robbed something at a job I worked. And... No one ever did this. Like, I wanted that to happen. I was so, like, I was like, man, you always see that in shows. You just got, like, you got to show up. Nope, that does not what happens.
0: I mean, I think it's probably different depending on, you know, why you're being subpoenaed. You had no real reason to avoid that subpoena, but, you know, you might want to avoid a paternity trial. That's true. That's true.
1: I still would have liked it, though. This is where we had the conversation that we talked about before. Where Captain Liberty's all pissed about him sleeping around, the immortal, and he, she wants to find somebody nice, funny, and exactly who they say they are, which again, that's what the immortal – he literally was that. He was a guy that slept around, and he was nice to her, and he was funny. Well, I, I don't know if he was funny, but he wasn't mean. And she's still – she's so mad, and f- f- for some reason. The Tick and Arthur then come into the book signing. They're looking like they're happy with themselves. They accomplished what they needed to. And talking to Captain Liberty and she – they they mention offhand they came downtown for this. And she's like, don't you mean uptown? Oh, I might have it backwards. But same thing. And they were like, no, we came downtown. She's like, oh, my God, you went to the wrong Worcester Hotel. There are two of them. And I definitely told you the right one. And they're like, no, you didn't. And so on and so forth. We find out that Arthur had to fake an epileptic seizure in the lobby of the hotel they went to to get the body up to the room. This is what I noticed that about, this is like the fourth or fifth time it's happened that the tick now refers to Arthur as chum. Chum? Almost exclusively.
0: I, yeah, I noticed he refers to him as chum a lot. I did pick I'm that up. I'm
1: kind of glad we didn't see the epileptic seizure, but I wish we would have seen more of what they attempted, like hijinks getting him up there. I kind of left the last scene thinking that he just kept attempting to throw him up onto the balcony.
0: Yeah, that's fair. They're I feel like there was more opportunity for that sort of thing, but they chose a different angle for the the gag of the storyline. So there's probably more of a time thing than anything. Yeah,
1: and then we have somebody who walks up, and this was something I don't know if we need to spend time on, but I was I think at some point we need to have a conversation. Bat uh, Batman Well gets asked as the immortal, who would win, the immortal or the Hulk? Does that mean the Tick is canonically in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Are the X-Men just running around? Is Captain Xavier there? Like, I don't want to associate with these fucking idiots. That brings up so many questions. The Hulk canonically exists in the Tick. That's, Who else does? That's curious. Did did the Tick float away when Thanos snapped? Or is he too dumb to count as a living being? Like, I want to know these things.
0: I just have more questions. Look what you I have.
1: know. It's like, it's just an offhand line. But I, you know, I guess uh, at that point, the Marvel universe was just not a thing too much yet. I don't know, but it, it the comics were.
0: Yeah,
1: I even stopped the podcast. I not podcast the episode, and I looked it up. If this was a Marvel produced comic, and it is not, so like, were they allowed to say that? I don't know. Yeah, I would love. I would have loved for the end of the Avengers End Game to have been the tick coming out of nowhere and just beating the shit out of Thanos. That would have been a mo- like. I love the ending. But then Tony Stark would have survived, and I bet The Tick would have said something funny. The Tick would have had the best
0: ending lines, I mean. Yes, fun. yep. My favorite part of this scene was just the, the ending. You know, it's we find out that Arthur had to fake this epileptic seizure in order to distract them so they could get the body back in the room because, you know, Captain Liberty's told them that they went to the wrong hotel and they have to go do the mission again. And at this point, Arthur's just like, no. Fuck no. You don't know what I went through, no. And eventually she she gets in his face and picks him up and very politely asks, please. Please. And at that point he says, fine, fine. put me down. Put me down. And we're, uh, we're in the hotel room. The tick is retrieving Is
1: Arthur shorter than Captain Liberty? Because up to this point, I had thought Arthur was pretty tall but I've never, like, looked at him by her. I don't know if they've even stood next to each other to see. Because she lifts him up above her, so that insinuates that he's shorter than her. But I was, a, I, I don't know why it hit my head that he was a tallman.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, I, I don't know that I could tell you. I keep picturing his rabbit ears and I'm not sure how tall he really is. Right,
1: right, that, that's probably it. But we see the tick in the hotel room where they had apparently left the immortal's body and housekeeping starts walking in (laughs) and he just gets into a screaming match literally with this housekeeper and it was one of the funniest scenes in the episode to me. Like she just starts screaming, no words. He starts screaming back. No
0: molester!
1: Then he just starts going into just screams and they're just yelling back and forth at each other Nonsense and then just jumps off the side of the balcony. So I guess it was the room with the balcony. He was right So
0: this this was one of the this was one of the better quick scenes in my opinion Um, Because yeah, he he picks up the body. The body is now stiff with rigor mortis. He hits the head on the wall He breaks a lamp and then Housekeeping knocks at the door and he starts to panic and knocks over another lamp and shatters the balcony door all while like kind of whimpering, which I found entirely relatable. <laughs> and uh, the housekeeper opens the door just in time to see him drop the body off the side of the balcony. And yeah, she starts screaming. He screams, no moleste, no moleste. <laughs> and then they both just continue screaming. I'm like... This has to be an absolute fever dream for this housekeeper. Like, can you imagine walking into this?
1: Yeah, no, I can't. And I I love that the tick reacts like this because, like you said, this is super relatable. I would probably do the same thing. I would be like, ah, (laughs) just panic.
0: Like, that was was the part that got me is – he he heard the knock. He heard the housekeeping. He knocked over the other lamp, and he's just like you see him. Just like I don't know what to do, and he's like, oh, oh. I'm like, oh fuck, I know that. Well, uh, <coughs> oh, that's a hell of a weird sound. I never made that before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, relatable. I have been in many of. The, no, I've never been in the hotel room with a dead body wrapped in the American flag and then jumped off it.
0: I'll tell you, it's all fun and
1: games until the rigor mortis sets in, man. Yep. Yeah, I I would mm, yep. We then cut back to the funeral from the beginning scene. And it's not much more said other than I love the line that the tick says that we're at a funeral. And isn't it funny that the word funeral starts with the word fun? And that's a good point. I'm not having fun yet. Make it a
0: double. Got it. This was a relatively quick scene back to the funeral. And, and I like that that this scene didn't really redeem itself. It just made the Tick look an ass of himself. It was just hilarious, yeah. It was just there to be funny in the best way. Right, because he he says what you said and he's like, and all I see out there are a bunch of sad faces. Well, just for kicks, let's look at the word funeral for a moment. Starts with the word fun, doesn't it? And all I see out there are a bunch of sad faces. He He literally, Tells them not to be mopey and personifies it as Mr. Mope. <laughs>
1: oh, Mr. Moe's got y'all wrapped up in the wet blanket of his
0: mopey. Everyone is clearly offended or embarrassed in the audience. Audience? Attending? Yeah, I think that works. So, so yeah, then then they're back in the alley. Arthur's having an existential crisis. I did
1: notice in this scene. Why are there like? Butt lifting straps on Mothman's suit. You see him full body shot in this and you realize what Captain Liberty had lifted him up by. He's got like a weird jock strap that's not tight, but like that goes up around his hips and like that are perfect for grabbing hold of. Like, what is what is this part of your costume? Like, there's, there, is this support for your wings, I suppose? Maybe. But he does have butt lifting straps.
0: Yeah, I noticed the straps. I didn't, uh, I just didn't think much of them. I didn't, I didn't read that much into it. But uh, yeah, I I would imagine it's probably wing related, like a harness kind of situation. I wrote
1: down both in my half awake fever dream notes, as well as my notes from last night. The tick has a weirdly positive outlook on life. Like this, in death, he's really taking hold of this idea that everyone dies in a way that somebody who went to four decades of therapy might. You know, you gotta grab life by the horns. You know, you gotta live your best life. And it's, there's no jokes made. It's just other than like the tick says funny things, but it's a good scene
0: yeah i i completely agree you know arthur's having a really hard time and somehow the tick has found this whole new grasp on death that he certainly didn't have a few minutes ago because he had he does he gets he gets fairly philosophical basically you know saying death is the thing that makes life precious and arthur being a normal human dismisses this as cliche. Oh, yeah, that's brand new. But it's it's worth recognizing that this really wouldn't be cliche to the Tick. He literally was taken aback by the fact that potatoes die moments ago. Potatoes? Potatoes too? potato can die? Nice. Yes, Tick, even potatoes. Plutacris. He's
1: dealing with it well and giving some good advice for somebody who just learned that you die. <laughs> we cut again and it's like nighttime and all four of the superheroes are now in the convertible with the dead body in the back seat.
0: Yeah, this is the scene where it finally gets mentioned that they're riding around with this body in the back of an open convertible. What is he doing in the back seat? Do you want to get caught? Have you never heard of a trunk? Yes, okay, I know what you're talking about now. When the fuck did they try the trunk? The Tick says that he tried that, (laughs) but blames the stiffness of the body for its current location. Which would make sense. Yeah, it's, it's fair. But when they put the body into the car for the very first time, coming straight out of Captain Liberty's apartment, they put him in the back seat the exact same way. I mean,
1: I assumed that that was just panic. You know, you're just trying to get out of there. And that he attempted to put... Like, I totally read the scene that he attempted to do that between the last scene where... They're talking about death again, and this scene—it just—it had just happened before they picked him up.
0: I feel like it's easy enough line to explain. It's easy enough to say. I tried that, but he doesn't fold up so easy anymore. Okay, that explains that away. But I genuinely don't think they ever did. I think they put him in the back seat every time because why would they change what they were doing? Yeah, I. It's it's something,
1: and I, I love that. Like this is the first time we hear it, but twice in the episode, the tick calls the police. Police guys. It just caught me as a weird way of footing it. <laughs> it's the police guys.
0: Yeah, as soon as they drive away, the two cops show up in their rear view with cherries and berries, approach the car. Captain Liberty's driving. She just floors it. Yeah, as soon as they start to address her, she just, she punches the gas. And the, <laughs> the cops just stand there. They don't react. They don't do anything. They don't go to their car and try to pursue them. They just stand there and say, That was weird.
1: Yeah, again, we're going back to... A world with superheroes. What do police do in this city? Are they just traffic cops? Are they just traffic enforcement? What do what do the cops do in a world of a city of superheroes?
0: I mean, what do the cops do in all the other comic book worlds with superheroes? They still exist. Do they? Yeah. Have you seen Batman? Have you seen like these movies have police? That's true.
1: But I feel like in those things, the the superheroes stay in the dark and just come out when bad guys are afoot. This is a world in which superheroes just walk around. You don't see Iron Man and The Flash just, like, walking down the street grabbing a pizza.
0: That's fair. There are other shows that follow this structure a little more closely and there are still police there. I think it's kind of like superheroes deal with things X level and above and sometimes, you know, rescue cats from trees while cops deal with normal cop shit. Oh, I read it
1: the opposite, that the cops were just like, did the mundane things. Get the kitties from the trees and gave the parking tickets and the, the superheroes would do everything else.
0: Well, that's all we've really seen the cops do in this. I mean, I, I would have a hard time believing that they wouldn't provide some support if they are in a world where they, you know, coexist and collaborate with superheroes, but...
1: We're off topic, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> I don't know the <laughs> scope of their, their job. So,
1: yeah, getting back on topic, they get to the hotel and... Wait, no, where do they go? Because Batman Well, the Tick, and Captain Liberty leave the car at some point, and leave Arthur with the body, right? Yeah, so that is when they arrive
0: at the correct Worcester Hotel. And
1: I think this is hilarious. You know, Captain Liberty just ran from the cops because they have a body. They're trying to be really discreet. And Captain Liberty then shouts at the top of her lungs, Arthur, watch the body as loud as she can. <laughs> not whispered, not said quietly, not even tried to like pretend act like she said it quietly. She says it full volume as they're, as she's out of the car walking
0: in. Seems like a good idea. I mean, what's discretion? Yeah, very
1: discretionary. But while they're in there, the dead body starts talking to Arthur.
0: Arthur hallucinates that it does at the very least. You're gonna die someday too, Arthur.
1: My question is, did the immortal have extra powers that we didn't know about that are like beyond death? Or does maybe Arthur have a witchy secret side that we haven't met yet? Maybe this is part of his powers that he can speak with the dead.
0: Maybe we need to ask the Pope about the god angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping this is something we return to. Basically, it's just a brief Ebenezer Scrooge-esque scene where the immortal's telling him carpe diem. Yeah,
1: it's again going back to live your life, you know, it's all about death, then you know, this episode, and he's like, do the best you can. It's going back to the same things the Tick was saying. Oh yeah, that's brand new. From that point, the the girl from the beginning of the episode is coming out of the hotel. Arthur jumps out, goes to talk to her, is still awkward and nervous, but she takes all the lead and gives him her number and a kiss. Yeah. And a drawing that she was doing of him in the diner.
0: Yes, that is what happens in that scene as a whole. It's split up by some hotel room scene stuff. The very first thing when Arthur approaches this mystery woman, I don't think we ever do get her name. He says, "Look." I'll probably be arrested soon, and then of course I'll be dead. I like that. I like the innocence of that. But how the fuck does the city work? Arrest, then death? Is that a given? Like <laughs> that's just the <laughs> that's thing that's. That's a that really happens? good point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you got superheroes running around, I exposed your punishment has to be more severe.
0: Well, and then it was it was almost it was almost back to back because from there They cut to the Tick, Captain Liberty, and Batman well in the Immortals' actual hotel room. Which
1: is hilarious because the Tick is really confused why the first hotel wouldn't have worked because the room is the exact same. He's like, I don't understand why we couldn't leave him at the first room. This is the exact same as that one. So the idea that there are different buildings just doesn't... Yeah, he
0: he keeps making comments like that that indicate he does not understand their predicament fully. When they're in that room, after they've put the body on the bed, Batman Wells says... Can we get away from the dead person now before we're all arrested forever? All right. <laughs> Again. We is- just went from arrested and then a given of death to Arrested Forever. I'm like, these are such weird things to say.
1: <laughs> it's like, they were like, they, that's, so, that's really funny. I did not pick up on that, but like, as you're saying it, that is that is what was said. And that is, that is hilarious. Why are they both so sure that their punishment is so severe? I mean, I guess they did kill the best superhero of the world. Or as, <laughs> this was in my notes, the Batman well, at some point, says to Captain Liberty, you killed him with your pink secrets. And I... I'm going to keep that phrase and use it, I think, from now on for Lady Bits.
0: Is there pink secrets? (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. It's actually really funny because I also have that in my notes. (laughs) And and I specifically said, this show is over 20 years old. I'm 30, and I've got to admit that's new to me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: That's great. You know, they get into an argument a little bit. They're fighting. Batman will stealing from the mini-fridge, which... I guess, was supposed to be a joke. I don't know. It was kind of weird. His arms are just, like, overflowing with mini bottles. I guess after the day they had, they might need those. They're going to need to go find the iron liver from the first episode, the guy who can do 29 shots and still balance things.
0: Right, maybe uh, maybe he can trade him a piece of his Toblerone for a couple of those shots. Well, who's got Toblerone? It was in Batman Wells
1: arms. Oh, I didn't
0: even catch that. <laughs> he also stole chocolate. Captain Liberty gets upset with the tick because he doesn't this is when he he doesn't understand why they couldn't leave him in the first room. She gets to the point that Arthur was at early in the episode where she's just like, what is wrong with you? What planet are you living on? And the tick says, <laughs> planet me. Which is just the most genuine and
1: honest answer for me. Yeah, because I think if he, anyone else would have said it, it would have sounded like really full of themselves. But the tick is just like, I, I'm living in my world. It's not demeaning or like mean, it's just where he is.
0: It, yeah, it was it was a genuine answer. It was just like nope from the first episode. Yeah, I thought that was great.
1: Did you fall in? Nope. Oh. Should I stop recording? So for people listening at home, Austin just filled up his whole computer with audio files and probably porn because it's <laughs> his his Pro Tools stopped recording because his hard drive was full. So I that that, that was what, what happened. I, I did not leave the tub. I don't think Austin left the tub.
0: I did not. I managed to troubleshoot this from right here on my He head. got
1: all the porn deleted or moved to the cloud so he could keep recording this podcast. He's a true hero. Am I a hero?
0: I really can't say, but yes. Yep. My Google Drive password it's is it's-, it's porn. It's just porn. It's it's Austin's porn at porn.austin. Point being, whatever the fuck we were talking about, uh the, the tick doesn't understand why they couldn't leave the body in the room that looked the same. Um, Captain Liberty is annoyed. It's only exacerbated because actually Batman Well jumps to the Tick's defense, which is when we get the Peak Secrets line. Batman Wells like it's not his fault. Batman Well and Captain Liberty are yelling at each other, and I'm reminded of Anchorman because the Tick just doesn't even understand why they're yelling. <laughs> they're having this fight about him right in front of him. He has he's I, yeah. he doesn't even know why they're yelling. He's in Planet Me. Exactly. Yeah, it's not really resolved.
1: Even what ha- was happening, they just cut down to the street. <laughs>
0: We just cut back to Arthur. It's not resolved at all. This is what you were talking about. He's fumbling to ask for her number. She kisses him and um, gives him a piece of paper with a sketch of him that we are to understand that she was drawing in the diner earlier that day. I will say, I saw no phone number on that sketch. Yeah, I I, I was looking for it too. He was her
1: muse and that was it. It It's beautiful. I'm curious (laughs) if she
0: will come back around at all in any episode. That's true. I didn't think about that. that, Yeah,
1: I hope so. They get in the car. You know, Batman-Well is like, cool, like, super proud of Arthur for that happening. He saw the whole thing. And then the cops are there. They're asked what's going on. The cops are like, oh, there's like $20,000 in parking fines on this car. We're impounding it. And the cop does what I've been trying to do this whole time, and that is call him batman It's so hard not to say it that way, and I don't know why. Are you bat Batmanual. bat (laughs) But it was like vindication. Yes, that's what it said. I I don't know. It's what wants to come out of my mouth every time I say his name.
0: Also worth noting here, no one brought Batman Well's normal costume. Did you bring my clothes? So he is leaving the hotel room draped in the flag that has been wrapping the Immortals' dead body all day. Yep,
1: I'm sure that is... A gross, gross situation. I cannot wait to go home and be Batman well once more. If that was me, I probably would have just gone nude. Yep, just just let it fly. Like like I am right now. That's yep. something I didn't ask you in the first episode. Did you go trunks or are you are you full birthday soup?
0: I am full birthday. Same.
1: I I, I didn't think that was an option. Like, you know, like I've like, of course, but I was listening to another podcast where they did a bathtub episode and
0: one of them did shorts, and it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah no i mean there was there, there was a mild thought of like oh yeah i mean i guess that could be a thing We're like why would i do that right it's like oh no this whole thing's been streamed on twitch <laughs> i think even if we did have a video aspect to this i would still be full nude. I, I would just i think i would, would too right spot
1: i mean what i i do have bathtub to <laughs> stop recording again So Austin's computer filled up with porn again. He was watching it while we were doing this, apparently.
0: I have ADD. I got to (laughs) multitask. So we're back to the funeral.
1: Yeah, so we're at the last scene. Austin can go to watch porn soon. (laughs) We're back at the funeral. Uh, The tick's still giving a speech. And it's, it's just, there's so many good lines here. At one point, one of the one of the army officers gets up like he's going to go take him off the stage.
0: The MPs are ready to tackle him off the stage. So. No. Mm. Belay that for the moment. I'm starting to like the cut of this man's jibberish. Yeah, I thought that was a great line. Yeah, that was up there for me. He also calls the immortal Morty and waves yes. at Yes, hi, Morty! <laughs> Very casual. They're on that friend level now that he's dead. Right, because they were such good friends in life. After all that, the tick somehow turns it around and gets a standing ovation uh, because he has the insight that maybe death is life's way of saying try again. And
1: also that death is Mount Everest.
0: Death Mountain. Might be nice up there. I will say in this scene, with the the, the funeral scenes in general, I really enjoy the behind the head over the antenna shot. Yeah, there's some cool shots here for sure. So did you like the episode? I did. It did not rate as highly for me as the pilot, but I'm definitely not turned off by the show by any means. I do feel like they steered away from some of the bus station named bus, hotel named hotel kind of jokes. Yeah. I didn't notice any signs when that was a you know a very big part of mm-hmm. the first episode. And I also feel like they they didn't remove it completely. Going back and watching it a second time, I registered a little bit more of it than I did the first time, but I, I feel like they steered less into the kind of noir PI detective comics sort of vibe that the music especially brought a lot uh, a lot in the first the first episode. I there was still some of it here, but Yeah, it the was vibe less- is totally different.
1: I also liked the episode and agree that it's not as good as the first one, but I still enjoyed it. I did like that both episodes so far have been weirdly positive things. I low-key think this would be a good episode of just anything to watch if you were dealing with death in your life. Like if somebody died recently. This episode, bizarrely... Gives some good insights into how to look at things. Sure. It's good at dealing with it in a way I did not expect.
0: Yeah, I am curious if we ever see Christopher Lloyd or any of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. again. I kind of doubt it. I figure that was maybe a, a, a big star thing they threw in the beginning, but it was all intended to be set up to begin with, or it was it was an open door that they 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 might have closed over and trimmed the fat. I, I'm, I'm curious. We'll see. I kind of doubt we see him again. Yeah, though.
1: I, I have a feeling we will be seeing all, like other big names of people, uh, probably not as many that were as big then, but people that became bigger later on like we talked about in the first episode.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah,
1: it was still very good.
0: Yeah, and I just want to note, not that there's probably any real question about it, but... Captain Liberty definitely did not, at least on any filmed scenes, mention Uptown versus Downtown Worcester Hotel. Yeah,
1: I think that was the point that like, she's adamant that she told them the right one, but she definitely
0: didn't. When I was going back the the second time, you know, I didn't register at all. In the beginning, Tick's opening monologue, you know, he, he actually does mention literally everything that is then mentioned throughout the episode as far as his coming to terms with what death entails. You know, he mentions potatoes, he mentions horses, he mentions cats, <laughs> all of that in the opening monologue. Yeah,
1: the, the funeral scenes I think were my favorite overall uh, just because his speech is fantastic, just like in the first episode, his speeches are great. But what, were, what was your favorite line or lines from this episode?
0: I very much liked the... The line from Arthur... How
1: can I be a superhero in a world where the immortal can die? He was the immortal! I'm... I'm... I'm just hypoglycemic. (laughs) What chance can I possibly have?
0: I liked that a lot, but there was also a line that followed that up very closely from The Tick when he begins his pep talk to Arthur and his cliché insights into death making life precious. He says, Squeeze the milk of life into your dirty glass and drink it warm. That was one of my two. (laughs) I
1: I love that. That was one of my two favorite. That is great. My other favorite line is actually from Batman Well. When he's first dressed up as the immortal, they're getting out of the limo of the book sighting, and he's acting like he's not going to get out, and Captain Liberty says, You promised me. And he just says, off the cuff, really quickly. That was before I changed my mind. <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> like, that's. It- I guess there's no arguing back with that. Like, he promised me, well, i changed my mind. It's basically what he said, like, and I don't know. It just struck me as
0: really funny. I like the way he turns that phrase. I, I agree with that. My third contender line is actually the last line that you threw out of the funeral scenes is, I like the cut of that man's gibberish. I just, yes. I, I enjoyed that.
1: I, I wrote down that I'm going to try to remember that and use that in just conversation now.
0: Yeah, that was a good one.
1: The episode notes for season one, episode three of The Tick, are a dysfunctional superhero slash sidekick team leads Arthur to question his relationship with the Tick. So, sounds like we're gonna have a little jealousy. So that'll be on the next episode. Uh, any final thoughts? Or this is this has gone a bit long, especially with uh, Austin's frequent porn breaks. But <laughs> I'm just I'm, it, I'm it kidding, has. by the way. It has. Uh, <laughs> Um, but no, it was a good episode and I enjoyed this.
0: I agree. I enjoyed the episode. I feel like the tone has changed probably for the rest of the series, but I'm I'm not done with it yet.
1: Yep. This has been bathtub season and this is Corey reminding you that we can't see each other and you can't see us, but we're both naked and we can see you.
0: So from our big white tubs of justice, see you next week.